This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. All right, rolling along. Greeny with you here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, live from the Seaport District at Pier 17, brought to you by Chase. My buddy Jeff Saturday, good enough to hang out for a few more minutes before he has to go back over to first take. I want to play something for you. This is a minute and 13 seconds. In case you were wondering just how fed up, Jeff, the fans in New England are, this is a minute and 13 seconds of phone calls to 98.5 The Sports Hub in Boston. I just want you to hear what the fans have to say today about their team and their legendary coach. Tommy and Lynn, what do you got to say today? What's up, boys? This is what I got to say today. The past few years has been terrible without Brady. Belichick's record is 26-29 and 29 now without Brady. This, team's, this team blows. Mac has a noodle arm. The offensive line blows. No wide receivers around them. Mike Giusecki blows. It's like Belichick's stuck in his old ways, and the, the game is catching up on him. And maybe it's time for him to either retire or do something. This is pathetic. Gentlemen, I think Bill Belichick is a bigger fraud than Lance Armstrong. Without steroids, Lance Armstrong was nothing. Without cheating and Tom Brady, Bill Belichick is nothing. Uh, I just wanted to talk about, I really don't think Belichick has ever been a good coach. All he is is a good defensive coordinator. And honestly, I hope next year that he goes to another team so I can root for him to fail and watch him fail like a human garbage piece of crap that he is. I am so tired of this guy having to watch him ruin this team year in and year out. And if he's on the team next year, I'm just not going to watch. I'll just be a fan of like the Chiefs or something. Liar. Oh, back. my God. So, oh. so I mean, you know, Jeff, <laughs> he was never a good coach. I thought I got it bad in Indy. The man Dang. took the team to nine Super Bowls. For real. And won six of them. Holy I understand being mackerel. frustrated. So, so first, the let me just human get, garbage. I love the first guy who goes through every player. Yeah. He blows. He blows. He blows. He's, I mean, he's just killing the funny whole term. Team. I haven't heard anyone use that expression <laughs> in a long time either. It's a funny, it's a funny oh. word. Oh, but, but, but forgetting that, and he's got a noodle arm. Yeah, so so yeah. all that stuff is great. But, but forgetting that part of it, the question does come up. I mean, many years ago, Mike and I did a feature. We, we, we came up with a topic. It wasn't a feature. It was a topic of who deserves to be unbooable. I think that the, the, if I'm not mistaken, the impetus for this was Derek Jeter was getting booed yeah. at home by Yankee fans. I'm almost positive that's what it was. And I said certain people should be unbooable. And we tried to make a list of people who were unbooable. And basically what that means, like, for example, Peyton Manning, you're, you're one of your closest friends and obviously yeah. unbooable in Indianapolis. You boo Peyton Manning in Indianapolis. You should have your tickets yeah. taken away. He got booed. <laughs> when did Peyton Manning get he booed? He got booed, bro. He got booed. Right. We would struggle often. He would get booed. He got booed. Listen, when he 
after playoffs, they, this is what I, I, I remember having this conversation with my wife. This is no joke. Cause some of the media that when I was in indie coaching was still there and you know, they're putting me on blast, which is all good, right? We're not winning, <clears throat> but I told my wife, I said, I hope you remember these same writers or a number of them have talked about Peyton Manning should have gotten fired. He couldn't win the big game. Bill Polian should be fired. He can't put together a roster to win a Super Bowl. Uh, you know, Tony Dungy needs to get fired. He can't, he can't put it. They, that's what fans do. You don't win every game or you don't win it in the style they want it. They are going to put you on blast. Every player I've ever been around at some point has her if they're if they're big enough, right? They're not gonna boo me because you know it's 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 irrelevant to them. But you know the the ones that are just they are all in. They're gonna boo you, and it it is part of sports. And it's honestly the fanaticism is what makes it so much fun because you go. I love hearing these calls because to your point, nine Super Bowls. And they're like, this guy has never been a good coach. He's a good defensive coach. Are yeah. you serious right now? Like, that's absurdity. You know what I mean? But in their head, they have built this thing to exactly that point where he is trash. He should have never, you know, why did he ever coach? He should have chose another profession. <laughs> You're like, he's the greatest coach in NFL history. And, and, but it shows you when it turns, it is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league, and nobody is absolved from it, and it happens to everybody, and it's how can you turn t- tune the noise out. Hi, right, Greeny, Jeff Saturday. Let me ask you, because you're one of the few people who can actually answer this. I've always perceived Belichick to be an incredible in-game coach. I, yeah. I, 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 when I watch... Play in, play out. You watch games, Agreed. which these in this day and age you don't do as much because you know, you're, you're floating around between games and all that. Right, red but when you yeah. watch play in, play out, which you would do with the Patriots a lot because they play big games and they play against you a lot in right. big games. I always thought he made unbelievable decisions. He Everything he did to me made sense. Whether I agreed with it or not, I could explain it. Yes. The things that drive me crazy are when coaches sometimes do things, and we've all seen it, where you say to yourself, that made no sense. That's right. There's nothing about what he just did that, that makes any <clears throat> sense. Belichick, I've never seen do that until last year. The thing he did with the coaching, with, with, with Mac Jones. That's Let's right. put that aside. You played against him. Yeah. Was Bill Belichick a great game coach? Absolutely. And here's the thing. you When you went into a game, I can't tell you how many times, and this very rarely happened to us ever in the NFL, there would be a different, there would be a different game plan for the first and third quarters as second and fourth, right? It might be different coverages. It might be a different front. It might be a different blitz package. You know, usually what you see in the first quarter, you begin to kind of like make a tape in your head. We're going to see this again. This is going to do it. He would do something completely different in the fourth quarter than in the first. And so it was very difficult to put your finger on what the expectations of this Patriot team was. Like I said, they would bounce between a 3-4, a 4-3, a bear defense. And I know all that's getting in the weeds. But when I tell you it was an enormous task to prepare, to prepare to play them. It was a lot of mental fatigue because you had to put, so yes, he put together incredible game plans. This is where I would tell you, I think Bill Belichick has failed as a coach in the past, however many years from a roster development perspective. And that is what's getting him in trouble because at the end of the day, players matter. And I'm not going to get up here and bash coaches because I love coaches, and, they, and they, they, there are some really great coaches. But most coaches that are Hall of Fame guys are going to be covered by a Hall of Fame something. Peyton Manning, you know, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, all the, quote, gurus, right? When you talk about, oh, this guy was 
Now, they had a really good player mm-hmm. that overcame a lot of mistakes that we made, right? So if you draft the wrong guy, you can still overcome it. Or if you, and, and so when you see this play out, you're looking at a team that is inept from a roster perspective. And what you're seeing is coaching only makes a significant difference when the teams are pretty close, mm. right? Like give it a percentage, you know, 5%, 10% here or there. Coaching can really help benefit you. But if your Jimmys and Joes ain't as good as theirs, it don't matter. You can coach your tail off, man. They're better than you. And and when people don't realize that or act like, oh, and, and that, and I will say this is the other point about Belichick that, uh, that has kind of aggravated me. You're making Mac Jones kind of the scapegoat here. Like, stop benching your quarterback, man. The whole team is playing bad, right? Like, is he playing bad? Sure. But you also gave him a freaking special teams coach, a defensive coordinator last year, it's his first year with Bill O'Brien. You're going to have to learn. And it's going to be ugly, right? It's no different. It, you're, you're, you don't have receivers who are going to make plays. You have a running game. That's something. Your best players are your tight ends. Okay, welcome to 1999. It, it's hard to win in the league that way. So stop pulling one guy because now you're putting this like, you know, th- th- this microscope on one guy. And it's unfair because no one in their building is doing the job they need to be doing, including the staff. And so let's just all grin and bear it together. Let's not try to pass blame. Great. Jeff Saturday in my studio for another minute before I have to let you go. So it, it, all of that winds us to a really complicated question in sports, and that is, how do you as a franchise handle someone who has meant that much and whose time has come? For example, Peyton. Yeah, he gets hurt the one year. They get the opportunity to draft luck. From what I could tell on the outside, maybe you know something I don't, I thought he handled it really well. He handled it with class. He, it, he was upfront with Peyton about what he wanted to do. He gave him the opportunity to go where he wanted to go. He, I thought that was handled pretty well, considering the circumstances, right, right. as well as could be. Yes. What's the right way, if you're the owner of the Patriots, to handle a coach who took you to nine Super Bowls and won six, but maybe has worn out his welcome yeah I think you go in and tell him hey you know we're we're losing our fan base we're losing our team you know there has to be a change here and if we continue to do the same thing you know we're never going to get there what I'm asking you is and whatever Robert class plan is hey we're going to bring in a roster developing type GM he's going to come in you know Scott Pioli type guy or or Mike Tannenbaum whatever it is we're going to get guys who know the cutting edge of the game where it is that way you're bringing players in that maybe O'Brien can use differently in the offense or defensively we can do this a little bit different so you're no longer the guy who is buying all the ingredients and trying to make the meal you're just going to make the meal right you're a great chef and and we feel like this part has missed it here's the thing about the NFL it's unforgiving and when someone feels like you lost your fastball and if that's where Kraft feels he will move on all owners do, right? Because at the end of the day, it's their team. And it's they, they think of it as their legacy, not just a coach. He would make a move. I'm just telling you, he is that type of guy that would say, I'm going to give you this opportunity. If Bill balked at it, I think, I think Robert Kraft would move. I really do. I think he is... He understands where he is in his life. He wants to win. He is a competitive son of a gun now. He wants to be the best. He wants to be the gold standard of the gold standard, right, of the NFL. And when he's not, he is not a happy camper. So I could foresee that happening. I'd remind everyone, Jeff knows of what he speaks. You negotiated with Robert Kraft, that that collective bargaining agreement. It was you and Neek and Kraft alone a lot. So you know him well. Yes. Last thing. Rex, sitting right where you're sitting right now on TV yesterday, I asked him if, if, if 
New England decides to move on from Belichick, what would happen? He said there would be a stampede. Every team in the league would be trying to hire him. No doubt. No doubt. That's every, a yes. Ev- absolutely. Every team would, yeah. Every team would try to get him. Saying this, his power now would be different than in New England. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's my point. It's going to go back to you're just a coach. You know, we have this. You fit in the organization this way. But I do think, I think you know, 50% of the league would go after Bill Belichick. Yeah, I, I, that's probably true. So are we living in a world where Bill Belichick could be the coach somewhere else next year? It doesn't seem impossible. Jeff, I have to let you go. Go do first take. Thank you, my man. Always, Always a, a pleasure. Blast, we'll see you tomorrow. He'll be back with us on first take tomorrow. That, that, that to me is a really interesting, excuse me, on get up tomorrow. He's going to do first take now. Let me bring Bubba and Cam back in. Thanks, big man. Is, is you know, Bubba, what's the right answer to that? Like, how are you supposed to handle... How should a franchise handle a legend that has outlived his usefulness if, if that's what they decide Belichick has done? You can't do more for a franchise than he's done. And now they are where they are. How should the owner handle it? I mean, I don't think there really is a way for them to handle it. I think you just you hope that the they just leave on their own. I mean... Jerry, Jerry Jones is still to this day vilified for getting rid of Tom Landry. And, you know, after all he did for the Cowboys, and he had, you know, I'm looking at now, he finished 7 and 9, 7 and 8, 3 and 13, his final three seasons in Dallas. And then he fired him. And, you know, and then, and he's still, people are mad at him for when they fired Tom Landry because of all he did for Dallas. And he's universally known as basically a Cowboy. So I think you kind of just have to hope that they leave on their own because I think no matter what, even though the fans in the moment are probably on Kraft's side and would be happy about it, you, you can't be the guy that fires Bill Belichick. I, like I said, to this day, people are still mad at uh, Jerry Jones for getting rid of Tom Landry, even though in, in the end it worked out and they got those three Super Bowls right after. But do you really want to be the person that fires Bill Belichick? I get it. Now, there are two differences here. One of them is Tom Landry was beloved. Everybody loved him because he was the classiest gentleman in the world. Belichick has not engendered a lot of goodwill. He's been so good that he's been untouchable. He's been unimpeachable. You can't right. you can't debate how great he's been. And when you are that good, you can act any way you want. But you know the old expression, be careful how you treat people when you're on your way up because you're going to see those same people on your way down. He hasn't built up anywhere near the same element, I think, of... Um, not admiration, but but of love, of emotion sure. that Landry did in his time in New England. I'll also give you one other reason why I could easily see Kraft doing it. I'll tell you what that is in a moment, and then I will tell you one long-standing sport that is on the verge of getting so much better than it has ever been. Those are next. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. 
Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Greeny, the podcast. I need you to listen carefully. I just want you to know. So here's the deal. We were just talking a moment ago. Bubba, you said, does Bob Kraft want to be the guy who fires Bill Belichick? And I think Bob Kraft, from what I am aware, is a classy person and would not want to do so if it seemed unfair, would not, would want to do it in as respectful and respectable a way as you could. But make no mistake, Bob Kraft is a person who is going to do what he wants. And I'll tell you a story. Bubba, you'll probably remember this. This is probably something like 10 years ago, maybe a little more, when we did the Halloween show in Foxborough. Do you remember this? Yes. So we did, Mike and I did the show on Halloween Day from the stadium. They had a big game that weekend. I forget what it was, but they were playing on Sunday, and the Patriots were the Patriots, and uh, Golick dressed as Belichick, and I dressed as Brady. And we had arranged it ahead of time with the Patriots staff, like they're literally their um, equipment staff, that I had like a legitimate uniform. I had a, a jersey. I had gloves. 2015? 2014. 14. Okay, yeah, so nine years ago. So so I've got like literally I'm wearing Tom Brady's uniform. I, I'm wearing a jersey. I'm wearing pads. I'm wearing uh, gloves. These were all things that were legitimately his. Uh, and a helmet and everything. And I, I mean, it was freaking awesome. That was an incredible costume to have. And Golik is Belichick, you know, with the sleeves cut off and whatever. And Belichick came down and did the show, talked to us for a while. It was good. Brady did not come down, whatever. <laughs> Would have been nice, but it didn't. And then Bob Kraft comes down. And Kraft was a fan of Mike and Mike. And he had a sister, Kraft does, or at least did. I hope she's still with us who lived down in Florida and liked me because she perceived me to be like a nice Jewish boy. This is how her, her craft sister loved me. So he's very aware of the fact that my wife, Stacy has a crush on Brady. Stace loves Brady as I think many, many, many women do. So craft sits down with me and says, Greeny, I think your wife, Stacy is going to be excited when you get home and you've got all the Tom Brady uniform on, right? He's given me like a little bit of a, of a, like a wry smile and a little bit of a, you know, he's joking around, but it's funny. And so I couldn't think of anything better to say because I was so taken aback. 
So I said to him, which was 100% true, you know, Mr. Kraft, we made an agreement with the, your equipment staff. I have to give back everything I have here. These are Tom's actual things for the game. He needs them. And so the second we're done here, I have to give them back. Now, that was a stupid thing to say. I should have just played along with the joke, but I was so taken aback, I didn't. So I said all those things. And Kraft, without even pausing, just says, nope, I'm overruling that. You're taking everything home. Just like that. And everyone in the room does nothing. <laughs> I'm looking at all the different patriots, the media people and the, and the equipment people, and whatever he says goes. That's it. It was the most power I've ever seen a person wield in my life. I've met four presidents, and I've never seen them do anything that badass. He literally just said, nope, I'm overruling that. I don't care what anyone else said. This is what you're doing. You're taking the uniform home. Goodbye. And that was it. So that's what it is to be a billionaire. That's what it is to own an NFL team. That's how those guys live their lives. It's not the same as you and me. The comedian John Mulaney has this great routine. Bubba, do you ever listen to any of his stuff? He's very funny. Yeah, do you so, know who he is? Uh, yeah, I went to see him last year. Okay, he's phenomenal. Yeah, and and he does this thing about Mick Jagger. And, and he says, you know, Mick Jagger, if you are Mick Jagger, if your name is Mick Jagger, and you have been playing to crowds of 50,000 people that have been chanting your name like a god for 50 years, it just has to change you. Like, you would never walk up to a door and go, knock, knock, does anyone have an extra computer charger in here that I can borrow? Like, I'm doing a terrible imitation of John Mulaney, but the point is Mick Jagger doesn't do that. He just says, Diet Coke, and one appears in his hand, just like that. That's also, again, I'm just completely telling you a John Mulaney joke. Kraft just says, no, this is what I want, and it is done. People like that just live in a different world than we do. So I, what I'm saying, and I, I don't mean this disrespectfully, quite the opposite. Again, I like him a lot. But what I'm telling you is, I don't think he's that worried about it. Like, I think he wants to do the right thing because I think he's generally a do-the-right-thing kind of person. But I don't think he would have any qualms about, quote-unquote, being the guy who fired Bill Belichick. He's already the guy who did so many other things that, like, this, even something of that magnitude would be just another one. Bubba, what do you think of that? Did I never tell you that story before? No, I remember that. I do remember that. Cam, did yeah. I ever tell you that story? Uh, you have now. Uh, it's, it's a, do you like that story? Yeah. I just don't know if Robert Kraft allowing you to take home Tom Brady's uniform is the same as canning Bill Belichick midway through or after and Not season. midway through. I don't think you would fire Belichick yeah, midway through a season unless like, I mean, every game be, continues well, like the, this. The big thing is that would be crazy. they're playing the Raiders this week. What yeah. if they lose embarrassingly to Josh McDaniels? That looks even worse than they already look. And Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, here's what I'm telling you. I could see him walking into Belichick after the season, sitting down and saying, Bill, it's been unbelievable. I want you to walk out of here with your head held high. I want this to be publicly to be your decision. But I'm moving on. Like, we just can't have this anymore. It's time for a change. Thank you for everything you've done for us. You will always be a patriot. We're going to build a statue to you, which he absolutely deserves, and everything else. And I, I want this. I, I want 100% want us to walk out this door together and tell the world that this was your decision. But make no mistake about it, this is what I'm going to do. I could see that for sure. No? Yes, absolutely. The question would be, would they move Belichick to like 
a front office role where he still has involvement in in something in the Patriots. I don't or, think he wants that. Or does Belichick want to coach somewhere else? Like he's seventy one. Does he want to like pick up and start and have he to coach record, a new quarterback? Though, right? I understand that, but does he want to like start over? He's been here for over twenty years. I just I I would have a hard time seeing Belichick coaching somewhere else. Could be an opening in Dallas next year. That'd be insane. I actually thought of that when we were having our Cowboys conversation. How how old? Someone looked this up for me. Was Dick Vermeil? When he took over Kansas City, I think he was older than this. Vermeil came back after that long hiatus, coached the Rams. They won the Super Bowl. Then he retired. Remember, March took over that job. And then he was and 65. When he went to Kansas City, he was 65? Yeah. He's like in his early 80s now. So, yeah. Wow. I thought he was much older than that. Okay. Yeah, he's 86 now. Okay. Mid 80s. But yeah. No, no, but fair enough. Okay, I stand corrected. I thought he was older than that. I thought he was 65 when he went to St. Louis. I guess he just he just retired so young from Philadelphia. It was the first time any of us had ever heard the term burnout. Um, and he and he retired and was a great announcer for a long time and then stunned the world by coming back and then stunned it further by winning a championship uh, and crying all over every conversation he had. Uh, and I and I love the guy. Wow. Okay. Whatever. So that is pretty old. Th- that would be pretty old to be starting something new. I-, I stand corrected. I honestly thought that Vermeil was that old when he got to Kansas City. I stand corrected. Okay. Greeting with you. The best fan of the month is brought to you by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice cold Dr. Pepper, the one that fans deserve. And can I tell you who is the best fan of the month? It's all the fans starting next year. And I will tell you exactly why. Because what is about to happen is that college football, which has already become quite possibly the second most popular sport in America, there are metrics that would suggest it is, and certainly is in a place of unprecedented popularity, is about to get so much better. So much better. I'll tell you the truth. This past weekend, I had a hard time finding games I really wanted to watch. I wanted to watch Texas-Oklahoma. That was an unbelievable game. But I think I'm a fairly normal college football fan. All over this country, there are hardcore, dyed-in-the-wool, crazy college football fans. Generally, that's a regional thing, right? The folks in the southeastern part of the country are way into their teams, the Alabamas, the Auburns, the Georgias, the et cetera. The folks in the, in the upper Midwest, where I spent so much of my time, I'm well aware how into their teams they are, the Michigans, the Ohio States, the Wisconsins, et cetera, et cetera. You know, out west, all that stuff got crazy now with the USC's and everyone, and now all these conferences are coming together. And you're saying to yourself, I hate it. I love the tradition. But hold on a second. I just looked at, or someone sent me last week, Michigan's opponents next year. You think you're going to have a tough time finding a game in every single window that you are dying to watch? Next year, Michigan is playing Ohio State, Washington, Oregon, Texas, and USC. That doesn't even include Penn State. So maybe the Penn State game gets shuffled out. Is that possible? They're, as of this moment, they're still in the Big Ten East together. I guess the Big Ten is changing all of that. The point is, they are playing one, two, three, four, five games next season against teams that, as of right now, are ranked in the top ten in the country. Five games. That's just Michigan. This year, they will not play a game against a ranked opponent until November 11th when they play Penn State. So you're telling me that college football is better when Michigan is playing Minnesota or when Michigan is playing USC? 
Those of us who are just normal fans, you're going to sit here and you're going to bellyache about how much you love the history and you love the tradition, and I do too. There's a part of me that bemoans the fact that the the Rose Bowl isn't just the Big Ten champ against the Pac-12 champ or whatever they were called when uh, when that, the, the majority of the history of that. But that's so over, and it's not better than this. The sport is going to get so much better in every window on every channel. There's going to be a freaking great game every weekend. College football is going to go from good to great. This past weekend, I watched... Uh, the early window, I had Texas-Oklahoma. Fabulous game. Couldn't have been more exciting. Great college football game. The stakes are enormously high. And see, that's the point, Bubba. I need high stakes because I'm just an average college football fan. I'll watch my alma mater, Northwestern, and then I'll watch the really big games of the weekend. I'm into it because I understand what's at stake. There are a lot of people in this country who are interested, just give me like a, you know, what would right now be considered a B-level or B-plus level SEC game, whatever it might be. I need it to be Alabama or Georgia. I need it to be someone who's playing for the championship. I need the loser of this game to, ha- to suffer a major, major setback. Now, I understand it won't be the same when there are 12 teams in the playoff. Teams will be able to afford to lose a game, maybe even two, but still. Every one of those games will still have more riding on it than any NFL regular season game does. So I think it is going to be epic for the normal fan like me. I'm watching Michigan-Ohio State. I'm watching Michigan-Washington. I'm watching Michigan-Oregon. I'm watching Michigan-Texas. And I'm watching Michigan-USC. Done. And you can say that about every school. Alabama will have a schedule that looks like that. But I, I would counter for... for go. My, my thing would be... I mean, Next year, yes, I would definitely agree. The schedule's great, and I'm going to watch. I, as someone who, who leans towards enjoying the tradition, and I'm not going to not watch because these games are going to, I'm going to watch no matter what. It wasn't that long ago, just last, I think it was two years ago, Washington was below 500. Oregon, a few years ago, Willie Taggart was bad. Texas has been fine. These schools, right now, they're all very good. It, I just think we're, we're, we're counting on all these things being great all the time. USC. They 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 just got Lincoln Riley because why because they were bad like so I I don't know I I just think we're I in some ways overestimating what all these games are going to be will it be very good next year probably but do we think Washington Oregon Texas and USC are going to be in the top ten every year no and I don't know as someone who would just who thinks college football to me is about rivalries and traditions. I would rather see that and and non-conference games than just I don't know. To me, Washington playing the Rand, you know, Penn State and those games every year. Just I don't know. I, I, to me, that that's that's not college football. Like you know, I understand, but college football is about to change. Here's no, what and, I'll say: and it, it if Oregon, Washington, sure. and and Texas aren't that good next year, you know what they will be replaced by three other teams that are, and those teams will be playing the other really good teams. Well, what do you mean they're going to be replaced? They're going to be there'll be three other teams that are going to wind up being that good that we didn't see coming, and those teams will be playing Alabama. My point is, we won't have to sit through all of the. Michigan right now plays two games a season you're dying to watch. Right. They will be playing five, and so will everyone. So it might not wind up being this five, but it'll wind up those the really good ones will be replaced by other really good ones. And, and I just used Michigan as one example. 
But all these teams are going to have that. Suddenly, Alabama's schedule is going to have Texas on it and Oklahoma on it and 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 all these other games. Right, so, but Michigan, know, these are these are all conference, these are conference games. I understand so they, that. They're not going anywhere. Like if Oregon's bad, they're better. going to be playing Oregon. If Washington's bad, they're going to be playing Oregon. Right, but just wh- like when they played Minnesota and Northwestern when they were bad. Or but you're going to have so much, so many better teams in all of these places. They've all gotten narrowed down into one little tiny window is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. You're no longer going to have. So what you're saying is every conference will still have their bottom feeders and all of that. What I'm saying is, which is a, a reasonably good point. What I'm saying is that for every, if you're going to play 12 games in a season, instead of two of them being must watch, you're going to get a minimum of four. You're going to get a minimum of one or two. Let's even go to three. Let's even say every good team in the country gets one more game you have to watch. Right. Week two, Alabama-Texas was the game you had to watch. Sure. No matter what else happened, you had, to, you had to cancel your plans. You had to watch that. You had to watch Notre Dame-Ohio State. This week, you had to watch Texas-Oklahoma. Every week, there's one game that you have to plan your Saturday around watching. Right. What I'm saying is, I believe starting next year, there will be a minimum of two every week and probably three or four every single week that you need to watch so maybe it won't be this one specifically mm-hmm. but there will be other ones that don't currently exist well you telling me alabama oklahoma week seven isn't going to be unbelievable alabama's first trip to norman oklahoma it's going to be it's going to be unimaginable it's going to be just like pro sports which already it already basically is but with greater stakes involved in each game I, I think it is getting much better. You don't agree? Um, yeah, I mean, to, yes, I for the most part. But, I mean, what was it? Even last year, I believe, Oklahoma was like, what, 6-6 six and six or something? Yeah, this year they're very good. La- yeah, last year they were 6-6. Six and six. Last year, if, if Alabama played Oklahoma, we'd be losing their minds. That game wouldn't be very good. This year, yes, they were. They started off 5-0, and oh, and then they beat Texas. Yes, the traditions sound good. I don't know. I, again, I'm just someone who prefers more of the traditions, and I would love to see non-conference games, but – We'll just have to see what happens next year. We'll, we'll pin, put a pin in this and then see next fall, are we seeing two, three games every year? I, I just don't think we can count on – I agree with the other point of Michigan not playing a ranked opponent until November 11th is insane. That's that's bad. I just don't think we're going to go so far on the other extreme where every week we're going to have three, four games that are so great. Like Next year, Michigan's schedule is very appealing – I just don't think it's going to go so far the other end where all of a sudden we're going to have that many good games. All right, so let me read you this weekend's games. Uh, Georgia-Vanderbilt. You looking forward to that? Probably not. You going to watch that? Michigan's playing Indiana. Ohio State is playing Purdue. Alabama's playing Arkansas. Florida State's playing Syracuse. Rutgers is playing Michigan State. Just looking down here over the list. Hey, Oregon-Washington. Penn, Penn State is playing UMass. No, I'm saying we got like three good games. Next year, I'm going to give you ten. I'm going to give you 10 like that. That's what I'm trying to say. Not that every game is going to be great, but that every week there'll be more good ones. That someone you care about, one of the name brands in college football, is going to be playing a game you care about the outcome of. I'm late. Let me take a quick break on this thought. We'll come back and talk about it more. ESPN Radio. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like 
like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. Dominique Foxworth has made his way in our studio. You can watch the show on the ESPN app. Just click on watch. Look for hashtag Greeny and enjoy. You can also always listen on the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, a million different places. Dominique Foxworth show wherever you get your podcast is a sensation. So one of the things, Nick just sort of made his way back. He just sort of ambled in, uh, you know, aimlessly. And I just said, uh, oh, sit down, let's talk about sports. So, so very quickly, we were just, just to finish up the topic that Bubba and I were just on. Here's my feeling as a, what I would describe myself as a casual college football fan. Mm-hmm. I like college football primarily because of the urgency. Right. Like, I want to watch the games. This past week, I watched Oklahoma, Texas, because they were both unbeaten, and I understand there's a rivalry, all of that. But more than the rivalry, like, I knew the winner was going to have a really good chance to play for the championship, and the loser has almost no chance. That's awesome. You set up those stakes for me, I'm in. College football starting next year with these super conferences. I read this schedule. Michigan next year is going to play Ohio State, Washington, Oregon, Texas, and USC. That's five teams that are currently ranked in the top 10 of the country. This year, they don't play a ranked opponent till November 11th. To me, this is get the sport is getting better. Bubba remains on the side of traditionalists. Yeah. Where does Dominique fall? So, I'll watch anything with stakes and intensity. Like I start watching baseball, Playoff time, because right. it matters intense. I watch high school sports if it is a single elimination game, and I'll, it'll matter. I'll, I'll believe it, and it'll be fun. I feel the same way about college sports. I, like you, only watch those games that are big. So, like last weekend, under clash of undefeated Titans of Ohio State and Maryland, glued to it. Because <laughs> I knew the winner of that game had national championship in their Maryland sights. hung in there with yeah, them, right? they were Most good. of they, that game, yeah. We played Ohio State well uh, a couple times the last few years. Just can't get over the hump. But um, all jokes aside, though, I, I get where you're coming from. I con- What concerns me a bit about the expanding expansion of the playoffs is does that dilute the value of the games as you go forward? So I get what you're saying. While the big names are going to be there, I guess it's going to take some time for me to understand uh, the changes in the value of a loss because there was a time in college football 
you lost the game, you were done. Right. Like it felt like you were done. You were just rooting for other people to lose games. So while the names don't change, if a, if one loss means that you're out, then I do think some of those games that we expect to be intense and meaningful may not matter as much. And especially if it's like you have to win your conference championship anyway to be considered a champion. Like it feels like there's a chance that it could dilute the intensity of these. That was my concern for a long time. I always said, beware. And yes, I think you have to be careful not to expand it to a point where you lose the urgency of these games. Right. But I'll tell you who made me think about this differently is Jay Billis. Mm -hmm. Have you talked to him a lot? He's a fascinatingly smart guy. Very smart. And I remember once saying to him, Jay, the difference is in college football, every game means everything. And in college basketball, these regular season games feel like they mean nothing because um, everything is about what happens in March. And he said, no, no, Greeny. In college football, like one game a week means everything. And the rest of them all mean nothing. So we're expanding it at least a little. You've got, okay, maybe we could lose one game. We can't lose another one. So now, you know, the the loser of Texas, Oklahoma is still in it. The winner of Texas, Oklahoma, the stakes will still be high. Maybe not 100, but they'll still be higher than an NFL game. And every NFL game feels like Armageddon. Yeah, we're talking about national games, right? So, like, your local team, they could lose a couple, like your alma mater. Right, that I watch. Yeah, yeah, your local team could lose a couple games. You could still care. But, I and I I like Jay Billis, and I think that that makes some sense. But I don't know that I'm tuning in for – I'm tuning in for the big games. And, like, I feel less excited about this Notre Dame game, Notre Dame and USC, than I did – uh, a couple weeks ago when I thought there was a chance that Notre Dame was going to go into it. Yeah. Same thing with Colorado and USC. Like, those games don't feel nearly as exciting as when you're like, oh, one loss and you're out. So if we change – so it's going to take a couple years for a – and it's also going to take a two-loss team to get into the playoffs for me to then continue to watch. And, and it's going to take some team to who loses in their conference championship – with a couple losses to still get in for to convince me that these national games are still national games. And the important thing is you only need one or two a week. So I think the chances, you're probably right. The chances of us still having those intense games every week are still up there. Yeah. The argument I was making is that we're going to go from one a week to like three a week. And right. I think that's good. We'll see. Let's leave it there. Cause I want to do one more thing before we go. And I want you to do it with us. Again, Hembo is, is allegedly with a sick child today. I don't believe it. I think he's actually in Vegas chasing after his wife who went to Las Vegas without her wedding ring, which is just so <laughs> sus. I mean, could anything be more sus than I that? I mean, the only thing that makes it feel like it's not that bad is that he knows. Like, I think she just told him in case he found it at home. But it's a ring. She could She could have put it in her pocket. Yeah, that's maybe he sees photos of uh, her without it on. Well, she's not very strategic because, like, I feel like just off the top of my head, I could have thought of a better plan. Like, he saw some photos. So you tell her, oh, I left it at TSA. And, like, there are better that's plans. That's correct. She's, she needs, she's she, fine. Don't worry, Hembo. Right. You're good. No, she needs to run around behind his back better than she's doing it. I agree. <laughs> but in the meantime, Hembo usually does a trivia question for us. And so this one is not going to count in the standings. But we still wanted to do a trivia question. So, Cam, are you the one who did the question? Yes, I've got one ready to go. And does Bubba know the answer, or is he, he playing He does too? not. So you and okay. Neek so and the three uh, of Bubba. us are playing. Okay, let's hear it. All right, so in honor of Monday Night Football and in honor of Hembo chasing after Lizzie in Vegas, we're going to do a Raiders-themed trivia question. So Devontae Adams, quiet night last night in the win, four catches, but he has 37 in five games this year. He is on pace to break the single-season receptions record in Raiders history. Who currently holds that record? <laughs> 
most catches in a season in so, Raiders history. Yeah, I mean, I think Randy Moss played there, but he didn't get a. No, he was bad there. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think Tim Brown comes to mind. Jerry Rice had a bunch of catches, despite the fact that he was very old when he got there, because you wouldn't think of Der- Jerry Rice. A sneaky himbo move would be go to Jerry Rice. But this is Cam's question. It yeah. could be sneaky Cam. It could be sneaky Cam. I go way back. So I'm thinking of people like Cliff Branch and Fred Boletnikoff. Yeah, but how often they throw the ball? Less than they do now, yeah. and they only played 14 games. Yeah. So you're probably right. It's someone more recent than that. Who else? So were there anybody else who was just like a short possession guy other than Tim Brown? Because Tim Brown's a fast. Tim not, Brown would, yeah. be the, would be the one who comes yeah, to mind. That's the, that's the he caught a million one. balls. Yeah. All right, so Neek is going to go. T- are you going to go Tim Brown? Yeah, sure. I'll go Tim Brown. I'm going to go Tim Brown, too. Bubba, what are you going to do? I'll go Boletnikoff. He's going to go with Fred Boletnikoff. If, if the answer is Boletnikoff, I'm going to lose it. Go ahead, Cam. What is it? The record for most catches in a single season for any Raider is in 2020, Darren Waller. 107 oh. catches. Tim Brown is second. He had 104 in 1997. Wow. That's the, pro- the problem was the tight end because I, I was thinking – it's going to be a smaller name, but because it's just a more modern game, it won't be a big name that we remember, but it's someone who played more recently. I was thinking if Todd Christensen was a tight end. In the he is uh, number five and six on the list. Yeah. Renfro is actually third. He had a hundred a couple years wow. ago. Yeah, it's, all about, it's all about recency. Like It's the, uh, the throwing aspect of the game. All right, Nick, always a pleasure. Thank you, my friend. We'll see you here back in Better Than Ever tomorrow. Again, the Dominique Foxworth Show available wherever you get your podcasts. And I will see you back here tomorrow, same time, same place on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcasts.